Welcome to Old Folding Fitted Sheets podcast, because sometimes parenting, like trying to fold a fitted sheet, sometimes you do it quite well. The best that it's done is before you take it out of the package. Yeah. You've, you've not had a single interaction with this thing. It's like being a parent. You're the best parent before in the you world. Before you have kids. Yeah. And then you have children. Yeah. Yeah. You know how to fold a fitted sheet. Some machine does somewhere. Folds it up, puts it in a package, beautiful, nice. Pull it out, toss it in your washer, throw it on your bed. Plus, it's got that piece of cardboard in the middle. So yeah. it's holding it all nice and oh, flat and together. Creases. As soon as you get rid of the piece of cardboard, throw it in the washing machine, comes out of the dryer, then what? Yeah. Then you watch 19 YouTube video tutorials. Or TikToks. On how to fold a fitted sheet. And sometimes it works. And they're so freaking confident. But even if you have someone who's helping you with it, so if we're still going with this metaphor, you have your co-parent. So could be a spouse, could be just a parenting partner, whatever. So they're helping you now, and you're still like, what the hell are we doing? Mm-hmm. So then you walk the corners toward each other, and then what? They're still not corners. Right. Somebody still then has to pick it up. Somebody has yeah. to take full control over it. Yeah. And who is that? And are we folding to the right or to the left? Are we folding lengthwise or are we folding widthwise? Yeah. There's a lot of conversation that has to happen around folding a fitted sheet to make it reasonably decent. And inevitably, honestly, in my cupboard, it still looks like a mound or a ball. Mm -hmm. And then I just close the door and mm -hmm. move on with my day. Yes. Yeah. As long as you've sort of got it with everything else, put it in the cupboard, the next time you go to use it. And it's clean. It's clean and it's going to work just fine. Yeah. You know that you're going to have to do it again at some point. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Stressful. Do it all over again. Every single day. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about the metaphor in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, if you talk about it literally, like how many times as a parent, I mean, probably you're saying it in your head. Some of you might be muttering it under your breath. Do you go through the day and you're like, oh, for fuck's sakes, mm -hmm. what is happening today? Yeah. Yesterday, my child was happy, go lucky, everything was going, the routine was working fine. Today, they woke up 10 minutes different than they normally do. Nobody wanted anything that we had in the house for breakfast. Mm -hmm. The red cup wasn't available. The red cup wasn't available. <laughs> it's the wrong bowl. He's looking at me. My socks don't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know your day is about to just start off with a bang. <laughs> it's true. And those are the days that you have to be somewhere oh. at a certain time with a certain level of presentation availability. Like, yeah. you know, you can't, you can maybe pack everybody up and drop people off without seeing too many people, but this is the day that you have to go inside the grocery store or to the doctor's office. So you can't wear your pajama bottoms and your two different socks and your sandals. You can. There's you can. nobody stopping you if you don't want to. That'll also be the day you see everybody you know. <laughs> <laughs> I look good, I go out, see nobody. Nobody. <laughs> no, no one. No. Yeah, or the day that you have to be out the door and that's the day your child decides they have to put their shoes on by themselves. Yes. 
not an option for yeah. anyone to help them with anything. This is how it's going to be. Oh, but I think when you are looking at different programs, if you look at some of the common threads, right? Mm. So the the connection piece or the getting down on the level eye to eye, your tone of voice, like those are common, we'll call them strategies or whatever. Um, that's something you might see in several different programs that vary in other ways. So mm -hmm. I think it can be helpful when you're looking at different strategies, different programs, different workshops, whatever it might be to look for some of those commonalities because often those are the tried and true, like they, they work, they do yeah. work, right? So yeah. it's taking, taking those little bits and pieces. And I also think I know something we've talked about in the workshops we've done is if it's a strategy that's coming from a professional with all the accreditation and the letters behind their name but it doesn't sit well with you, your morals, your beliefs, your family values, it's not going to work. And you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't yeah. sacrifice what you believe in just because Dr. So-and-so is saying do it. Um, because, yeah, then, th then that's not taking account in, you know, what's important to you and your family. Yeah. And like I said, to start, it's not going to work. Like if it's not something you believe in or can get behind and – do consistently consistently mm -hmm. on a regular basis and get your parenting partner on board as well yeah it's not anything that's ever going to yeah. work for you and i think that's a big part that's missed in all of these things as well is just they're like yes do it just consistently but they don't really talk about how long it takes no for you to to be comfortable with whatever the change is and for your child to respond in a way that you're happy with or that it can get worse it, well, before it gets and better. I mean, it's sometimes sort of addressed, but they, they gloss over it. They're like, oh, it's just a phase. And yeah. I hate it when people talk about children being in phases. It's like, th th that's their moments. That's that's where they're living right now. This is not a phase. Right. It's where they're at developmentally, yeah. emotionally, like all of it. Yeah. Like, it's, they, it, I mean, yes, it is a phase in the sense that this is change. typical of, yes, and it will change, but it's sort of gets explained as a phase as though like oh I'm emo this week and oh and now I'm punk rock and roll or I'm <laughs> right like it's not yeah. it it sort of takes away the validity of where that person that little tiny child who's who's going to become something is in that moment that's where they're living right now it's not just like a, a passing fancy right it's that's it that's their whole world that's all they know in that moment and maybe it's because they've discovered something maybe they discovered that when you know, they scream, your your top explodes, right? You lose it. You and they're like, Well, this is interesting. Yeah. When I do this, this happens. And yes, it's frustrating, but really they're just fully developing who they are and, and understanding the world. So I refer to them all the time as little scientists because that's really what they're doing. They're testing their world constantly. Yeah, it's a constant state of experimentation. <laughs> yeah. Which is not, you know, efficient or necessarily fun or exciting for the adult but well I think too as adults <coughs> so think about it like in your before you have kids so maybe you are in your early 20s you're figuring out who you are you're not necessarily aware at that point of what your triggers even are it's true and then this little person comes along mm -hmm. Maybe not the infant stage so much. Um, in the infant stage, you might realize how much you value or need sleep yeah. and how well or not well you deal with sleep deprivation. Yeah. 
But you're not really seeing a lot of behaviors at this point. Then they start talking. <laughs> and we're all like, oh my gosh, they're already rolling. They're already yeah. crawling. Oh, they're going to be walking. Oh my gosh. Mama, 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 dad, dad, dad. Be yeah. safe if you know We spend all this time pushing them to do this walking and talking. Yeah. And then we spend the rest of the time telling them to sit down and shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly it, right? Yeah. And you're like, well, shit, I really don't like whining. Mm-hmm. Or, oh my God, what do I do about tantrums? Because they drive me crazy. Or, Holy crap, if I hear mom one more time today, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw something. And you don't know any of that. Like, So it's like you are gaining a whole bunch more self-awareness yep. <laughs> yeah. just because you brought this little person in. Or you start realizing all the shit you hate, a- you hate about yourself because it's being demonstrated in your little clone <laughs> that you brought into this world yeah, and you're yeah, like yeah. oh my god they're doing that because yeah yeah it's me yeah yeah and that's oftentimes when there's the biggest problems where parents are like oh my child is out of control they, they're not doing what i want them to it's because they're very similar yeah or similar in the in the more challenging ways right so we've talked about that with temperament too if you're both a happy-go-lucky person very flexible easy breezy go with the flow right there's no issue yeah if you're both very rigid and inflexible in your thinking and it has to be this way and then all of a sudden you don't agree with your child and they don't agree with you on which way we're going today that becomes a problem or intensity right intense reaction yeah it's like you're both reacting like you go zero to 60 in five seconds and then it's really annoying when your spouse Uh. (laughs) is like super calm you're like feeling out of control like it's all going to shit your kids losing their minds and it's like you want help right but then sometimes it's really annoying when they come in and can actually calm the situation or like all of a sudden your child like flips the switch and they become a different person Mm -hmm. um yeah and if you can think about it after it's like well it's because my spouse came in and reacted differently he wasn't you know blowing his top and (laughs) but yeah they come in and they're they're calm yeah and you're not so calm or vice versa (laughs) yes you're doing the best you can to handle it and then they come in guns loaded (laughs) what is going on here? Like just losing their mind. That's not helpful. And then you get defensive. Yeah. And then you get protective of the kids too. Don't yell at them. Like (laughs) even though you yourself have just been doing the exact same thing. Yeah. It's like, and that happens a lot with, with spouses is that they, parenting partners just in general. In general. I see somebody struggling. I need to fix the problem. And sometimes it's not about fixing the problem. It's about just knowing that you have somebody on your side or supporting you Support. or saying, yeah, like, hey, this isn't this isn't working so well. Let's just take a break. We'll come back to it. Yeah, like, it's the validation piece, yeah. right? You want to be heard, yeah. not dismissed with, like, you're overreacting or what's your problem or yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah. That's my favorite. Don't worry about just it. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. and sometimes it's actually great information to get you're right i shouldn't be worrying about it but not in that moment and then you need to do a self-assessment of like what actually matters right so um i remember once upon a time somebody had said 
here's, and I don't remember who it was, um, talked about um, carrying rocks in your pockets. It's little tiny pebbles or yeah. buttons or pennies yeah. or whatever. And every time you say no or you have a negative reaction, you move the rock, a rock or a penny, a button, whatever, to the other pocket. And at the end of the day, you'll see how many negative interactions that you had. So you can have a little bit of perspective as, as to what it's happening. But what happens is while you're doing it throughout the day is you're like, oh, there was another one. And then you go knowing that you have to move this penny to the other pocket. Um, you're more mindful in right. the next moment because you don't want to move that over. But negativity builds negativity as well. So if you're yeah. only tracking negative, you're going to see that there's a lot. So then switch it, and you're like, I have positive pennies now. And every time something good happens, I'm going to move that penny over. Well, then you're striving to move those pennies over. So you're having more real interactions that are positive, that have a positive outcome, and you feel better. And then suddenly, oh, they spilled their juice on the floor. It's, it's not a deal breaker anymore. It's right. not the end of, like, that was my parenting rope, and I'm done. It's like, oh, well, we'll clean it up, right? So it's about incorporating a lot more intentional positivity into the day. And that sounds, you know, a little crunchy. It sounds a little hocus pocusy. But the reality is when we get stuck in a mindset of negativity, it's really difficult to see anything else. It is. Yeah. And I think it's also giving yourself a break, <clears throat> realizing that it just not, might not be your day. Yeah. Well, and now right? it's not and now your day. It's now everybody's day. Yeah, and it just might be like, okay, I'm I'm having a lot of negative thoughts today. Like this just isn't going well. And again, your folded sheet ends up in a giant ball in the yeah. closet, and it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll try again tomorrow. Yeah, and yeah, trying to focus on the positive again tomorrow. Because yeah. yeah, if you're tired, you're whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, let's talk about sickness for a sec. Like, oh. if we're every <sighs> freaking week, there's something new. Yeah. And then I was like gloating, like, oh, I've been so healthy for like four years and I didn't get COVID and nah, nah, nah. And then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> take you out of the knees. <laughs> well, here you go. Yeah. And we've been seeing a lot of posts about that, right? Parents just like one thing after another. And yeah. I mean, that impacts so many things. When that's all you're, you feel like all you're doing is putting out fires and all you're doing is dealing with trying to keep some semblance of. Yeah, you're just struggling to survive. <laughs> Yeah. really get through the day and that's if you're not balancing everything else so say now you're a working parent yeah how are you managing that yeah calling in sick every day yeah your kid is sick again yeah and that's great if you have a job that's flexible and understanding um but even then if you have a job that's flexible and understanding you have an obligation and you feel a sense of obligation and you're like i'm not doing my job mm -hmm. the one that I'm being paid for not in the snuggles and hugs and I love you moms <laughs> um so how do you, you we have this whole other level of guilt and yeah and like weight on us that we carry around that isn't visible and everyone's like well don't worry about it like your boss said it was fine and yes maybe they are saying it's fine but everybody has their limits yeah and, and jobs have their limits and you know they can be as flexible as they want but you don't feel good about no. it and your kid missing all these days and maybe they're going to school maybe they're going to preschool maybe they're going to daycare whatever it is there's a lot of you're still paying for all that yeah exactly yeah and that's if you have a job that gives you all of those you know extends you all of the, those wonderful benefits 
if you don't have a job that does that, where does that leave you? Yeah. Screwed. Basically. You have all the pennies or rocks in one pocket and one ass cheek hanging out. Because <laughs> your pants are so way down on one side. Yeah, That's it, what happens. you in a bad, bad spot. And then you're now in this negative cycle yeah. again, right? Like it's so difficult to come out of it. Yeah. It is quite amazing. And, and I think part of it is people are more comfortable in sharing real what like what's actually mm-hmm. happening to them like we've there's still this very much this Instagram versus reality world oh my god but totally. people are feeling more comfortable like I've noticed in the mums groups right people are feeling more comfortable in sharing like legitimate feelings that they're having and the amount of people who are like I'm not happy with my spouse I I'm feeling overwhelmed I feel like I'm struggling how do I get out of this and reality is that's not that helpful to them maybe to get it off of their chest but as far as like actually getting out of it 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 isn't a solution right mm-hmm. like getting it off of your chest is fine but you have to have some sort of practical resources and some practical uh, strategies that you're implementing to get yourself out of that yeah and I think actual support right yeah. so not just someone who's going to commiserate with you because that right. can help in a moment it does absolutely. I mean it absolutely helps to be like okay I'm not the only person feeling feeling like this yeah. I'm not the only person going through this that helps but like you said it's very temporary it's like a fleeting moment kind of thing yeah. where but how do I actually improve things yeah like what can I do yeah um, and then you do get, it's getting a bit better, but I still hate when I read somebody actually does open up and then they're just being judged yep. or slammed for whatever. And it's like, yeah. you don't know what, like you have your own parenting experience and that's fine. And they have their own parenting experience and that's fine. Like, do we really need to tear each other apart on top of this? Yeah. That's not helpful. Not at all. And it's making you look like an asshole on top of it. So maybe don't. Well, yeah, and I and I sometimes wonder if the people who aren't judging so harshly aren't projecting. And like, yes, I'm in this position, but I'm making my way through it and I'm fighting and I'm not complaining about it on social media and you know, you're not you're not the only one who struggles with these things. Like, you know, somebody getting up and getting their kids breakfast could be really difficult for some people whereas that's just well, then it's not helpful for someone to be like, well, it's really easy for me to do that. Like, yeah. Or you become, you, you come across, this is like a line in the Taylor Swift song, the altruism uh, or narcissism disguises altruism. It's in one of her, it's that uh, I'm the problem song. Or I am not a Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> I just hear it on the radio all the time. But yeah, like it's these parents coming across as being altruistic yeah. and... Like, well, good for you. Like, yeah. that is good if you actually have your shit together all the time. And mm-hmm. I mean, but really, you probably don't. And telling someone who is falling apart or really struggling with the simplest tasks or just getting through the day, telling them how great you're doing and how great you are as a parent doesn't yeah. really help anything. I guess you're right. It's, it probably comes from a place of insecurity and trying to build themselves up. Yeah, I mean, it's a different type of bullying, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's what bullies do. Bullies just try to make other people feel bad because they have some sort of demon that they're fighting themselves, whether it's within them or, you know, it's being pushed upon them. And that's why, you know, when we talk about, uh, well, any type of parenting, um, any type of, of, of development, any type of 
social. It's, it's all about connection. Yeah. And that connection piece. So here's this person, you know, reaching out and saying, here, I'm, this is where I'm at and I need someone to connect with me. And some people are slapping that hand away or some people are, you know, holding that hand for a moment and then moving on. Um, but really, it, it is up to the person who reached out then to take a step. And right. if there's another hand out there that's going to help them take that step, then, then great. So find, you know, a mom's group. Find a group uh, who just go for a walk. You don't even have to talk about anything. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to have things in common because you have children. And that's the thing in common. And the likelihood that you are going through something similar under that parenting label is, is probably reasonably high. And there's all of that. But it's about, you know, reaching out for one and then having somebody there who's willing to, to participate in it as far as not trying to fix your problems, not trying to give you solutions, not saying this is what you need to do, but just having someone to say it out loud to is, is great. And then what happens often is you hear other people, it happens often, right? As soon as somebody says, oh, this is what my problem is, people are like, yes. I too have struggled with that. Mm -hmm. This is something that bothers me. And then there's a certain amount of, of comfort that comes from knowing you're not alone in that, but you can't live in that. You can't live in that commiseration, right? No. So then you need to move out of that. And how do you move out of that? Well, that's incorporating more people. That's incorporating strategies. That's finding solutions that work for you. And that's where, you know, we're coming back to sort of that a la carte parenting. Yes, there's a thousand parenting books. Yeah. I like the strategies yeah. out of yeah. this one. This one works. I like I like <clears throat> this piece of this one and I like this I like the tone of this one. So I'm gonna take some of this and I'm gonna try it. Well, how do we make it work? Well, you 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 try it and then you try it and you keep trying it and you keep trying it and you need to do it for weeks and weeks on end. And then suddenly whatever that one thing is that you were commiserating with that parent was, whatever, whoever it is that you reached out to, that's not the problem anymore. And then and then now that problem is is alleviated or you know they've moved on out of it you you're finding like you know it wasn't really that big of a deal and then you can move on to something else and that's really all it is as far as parenting goes is that we're constantly moving from one commiseration of problem to another because the kids keep changing yeah and I think though like just going back to you started the whole thing with with connection and I think that can solve so many whether just big emotions or or when you get into a really negative place and you can't get out of it you mentioned that before just with pennies or whatever but every little thing seems way bigger than it does on a good day and I think just eliminating and taking the courageous step to end the isolation and to connect is enough a lot of times just to bring the little things back to being little things right yeah. so you're not being triggered as easily but and I know it's so cliche at this point and I know I've said it at nauseum over the last however many years well that I've been in this field but even that we've known each other like parenting is not a job you can do in isolation um, it is it's not and the whole takes a village thing I mean we've heard that at nauseum as well but it is very true and and I think if you isolate yourself, and it is really hard when you get into that place of isolation. I've been in that place. Um, it's not a nice place to live in. It's really, 
it is. It's courageous to take that step and be like, okay, I'm forcing myself to meet this new person, to go to this group, to have a conversation, whatever it is. But sometimes it is just a matter of we're going for a walk. We're going for coffee. We're not even talking about parenting. We're not talking about anything. We're just connecting. We're just having a chat. That That's huge. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times it's more helpful than any parenting book or program that's out there. It's yeah. just being around other people who are in a similar stage of life yeah. as you are. Yeah. They might not even be the same age as you, but if they've got little kids around the same age, that is enough to yeah. have common and to well, be able to relate. I think that's a really good point is, is it's great to have, Oh, well, I've, I've been through that. I had littles yeah. and when I had littles, this is what I did. Um, but you forget what living in that moment is like, yes, you remember what you did and you're like, yeah, I didn't like it very much, but you do forget the, the, you know, the waking up the ins and outs, the, the heavy feeling on your chest of living in that moment with, that child at that age you you move on from it because you know other things happen right so I I do think it's important to find people who have children around the same age yeah and yes it's great to have you know people who may be a little bit more experienced um, with parenting who have other you know older children who have been through it they can be like oh yeah that's right I remember but oftentimes it's there's only a certain amount of consultation that they can have with because they're not in it in that moment it's funny that you said that you just made me think of something because I have two kids and I often remember I think I remember things differently now so I remembered my daughter being super easy and we really had few conflicts and you know, it was pretty easy breezy up to when we hit middle school, then things changed a little bit. And I think it was, I might've been a grandparent, might've been another relative. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Saying, well, don't you remember when she blah, 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 this. And it was driving you crazy that that. And I'm like, I don't like, I literally don't remember, which I mean, can give hope to parents out there. <laughs> that <laughs> the shit you're going through now, you might completely forget. And like, 15 years yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever 10 15 years it's just funny and so yeah it's not that helpful then for me to be like oh well I did this or I mean there are certain things I can remember obviously and there's specific strategies I used and planned and whatever but yeah not really helpful if I'm to go up to a parent and say oh well all you have to do is this and I've completely forgotten what my ex my own experience <laughs> was actually like it's very weird yeah, it's uh, we positive wash it. Yeah, um, to some degree. Right? We also negative wash it. Yeah. Right? So there's a certain amount of of remembering that we have. And there are some very strong feelings and emotions that are tied to certain times. And this is why things get labeled as like phases. Right. Is because we just move on and we forget about it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we're also not living in that moment of those feelings in that Oh, for time, sure. Right? Yeah. But it's the same, I think, similar. We forget what the pain of labor and delivery or recovery yeah. from that is. Because if we remembered, <laughs> fully remembered, 
Yeah. Or would never be families with more than one child. No. Or like unless you had twins or whatever, right? But no more than one. Sadistic person. (laughs) (laughs) One pregnancy and child would be it. We forget because there's so many other things that that overshadow um, in such a, a wonderful, positive way, right? Yes, we remember, oh, I hated being pregnant. Oh, I hated the delivery. It was very painful. I remember the, I remember yelling at blah, 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 right? But you don't really no. remember. No. Yeah. No, I think our brains are phenomenal at protecting us. Yeah. To a great degree anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about repeated trauma and all of that where it has, <laughs> you know, pretty significant, sometimes permanent impact on mm-hmm us physiologically but yeah for experiences i think it i think your brain is it's pretty tricky yeah well and and when you consider i mean if we think about back to our own childhoods and some people are better at it than others yeah remembering you don't remember a lot before you turn five you don't remember probably much before you were three like i like there might be moments but those are probably triggered by stories stories that you heard growing up photos that you've assigned a memory to you don't necessarily remember you in that moment yourself you remember it because it was been it's been remembered and retold for you yeah but the majority of people don't remember things that happened right like you don't remember I don't know I mean there's there there are some core memories you know yeah and that's funny because I do have memories for sure and some of them are are super random yeah um and it's for sure my memory because no one else would have been there. Like it wasn't, a, it wouldn't have been significant to anybody right. else, but it's things I remember from like a very early age. But yet I look at my husband and my own kids and that like, sometimes I feel like they don't remember last week. Like I'm shocked that my husband remembers that we got married, to be honest with you. Cause I'm like, how, how do you not remember this happening with the kids or that we did this? And he's like, I don't know. And no memories of his own childhood. Very few. I shouldn't say no. He remembers it, but not very well. (laughs) Like, do you remember our wedding day? Like, yeah, you were there, right? So, I mean, but the thing, you can have these days where maybe you're not the best parent. Oh, yeah. Right? You're going to yell. You're going to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the situation is. Feel guilty as hell at the end of the day. You're not doing the best you. No. Um, the likelihood that your child's going to remember that specific day exactly is pretty minimal. Like, be yeah. it's minuscule. It's when it's that every single day. Yeah, that's when it starts to affect not necessarily their memories, but negative begets negative. And it's your relationship with them, right? Yeah, that's the beginning of yeah. you know establishing a relationship you don't necessarily want to establish. Exactly. With them. Yeah. And it's harder to break out of that, right? Like it's, you know, it's it's much more difficult to suddenly be the happy-go-lucky person when you've been, you know, struggling and negative and in this really horrible space for the last three, five years and just sort of struggling through every single day. It's very difficult because as soon as you turn into that happy-go-lucky person, nobody knows what the heck is going on. (laughs) They're ready to have you committed. They're like, woo yeah, like, oh, we're going to have a, a water balloon fight in the house. <laughs> Are you putting knives in the water balloon? <laughs> Mom's lost her mind. Yeah. Yeah, because very well the next day, if somebody brought a water balloon into the house, yeah. you're losing your mind again, right? So it's it's more it's much more difficult to have 
those moments of of like pure joy that are just sort of off the cuff when you are in in that state because yeah. no one's really open to it because they, you don't know how long it's going to last and you sort of like you know you're tedious you're you know tiptoeing around maybe you're a little bit stressed about whether it's going to end in the middle of it because you you just it's it's unfamiliar territory right mm-hmm. whereas if you're you know generally happy and generally going through your days with much more of a positive attitude when there is a negative moment <coughs> the same thing it passes by right right it doesn't last a very long time um but you've you've established that you can have these off the cuff really fun times and those are the things that become the core memories yeah and that's where that relationship is is built it's in those moments those really like small moments right where you know you you bonk them on the head with a with a spoon before you put it down on the table um before breakfast and then you kiss their head right like it's those little tiny moments where all of these really great attachment and bonding uh of the relationship is is built and when you're in a space where you you're just like you've got to eat we've got to go yes going through the motions yeah tedious tasks of the day the routine you miss those little moments yeah and it's those little moments that can be oh so impactful and they can carry you through the day Mm -hmm. or your child for sure i think as as adults we don't realize how meaningful a thank you is or uh yeah yeah, a quick hug or a kiss or a a little joke or a laugh or whatever right yeah um a dance party in the car you hear a song oh my god i still remember the first day of school my son was going into grade three. So I think my daughter would have been going into grade seven. And it was first day of school and Sia came on. Uh, the, the chandelier. The chandelier song, which has a really horrible meaning to it. I did not realize this until I looked oh. into it after. I think it's about suicide. Anywho, we were belting this at the tops of our lungs. And it's still a memory that all three of us have. Just It was a great way to start the day and we sounded ridiculous but we were being as loud as we possibly could yeah yeah you'll have to look into that song no thank you it's i'm like what the hell so like the whole swinging from a chandelier thing had a whole new meaning after that i was like oh my god not a song i want to be singing with my kids i guess but it was fun so i just got a text (coughs) from jacob and it says hey do you want me to repost about your podcast and then he just texted again and said ffs podcast lol Oh, he he just got it? it. (laughs) I haven't talked to him about it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He got it. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah, both both my kids thought it was funny. It is funny. Oh, folding fitted sheets. It's like, instead of saying fuck, you say fudge. Or sugar instead of shit, right? It's like folding fitted sheets. Yeah. I want every parent to start saying this on a daily basis. Folding fitted sheets. (laughs) And it elicits the same emotional response yeah because folding fitting sheets oh it drives me crazy like that is my least favorite i mean washing the sheets in general is a pain in the ass especially with because you don't like making the bed either yeah right yeah no it's a pain but yeah it's my least favorite part i'm like i'm not folding this goddamn sheet like no it's just getting i never try to fold i'll be very honest i can't remember the last time i actually tried to fold it I get it. It's kind of smallish, so yeah. it fits in the cupboard. Yeah. But no, I can't. So I told you what I do. So I fold the flat sheet. I fold the pillowcases. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, stack yeah. those. Yeah. And then I lay out the, the folded the sheet. folded fitted sheet 
um, upside down. I place the folded flat sheet and pillowcases yeah. in it, and then I wrap it yeah. and wrap it and wrap like it. Like a bundle. Wrap it. So everything's all together. It is not folded, but it's a little bundle. And yeah. I and I you know you can use the corners to sort of like pull around. Like when you get to that point, you can use the corners to like wrap it. So yep. it's like pulling it. A yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. More I tight. know that works. And then I just go and grab the bundle out because I got tired of of folding it. So I found a way that works for me. And then all my stuff's together. Yeah. And I do that with the kids too, because they, they, you know, change their own sheets. Um, and so that was the best way to do that was to have an extra set. We could pull it out. Everything was there. My son conveniently keeps his sheets on the floor. That is super convenient. So, you know, it's right there when you need it. Do your kids use top sheets? No, neither of mine use top sheets, flat sheets. We still do in our bed. Yeah. They stopped and it was their choice. Like, I didn't stop. Yeah. I was like, I, do I have to put this on? I'm like, no, you don't have to put it on. No, neither of them. I cannot sleep without a top sheet. No, me neither. It drives me crazy. Yeah. So my husband never had one. He, once we got together, because I couldn't not have one, he started using one. But he never had one when he was younger. I don't think Rob had one. I'm trying to think of when we were, like, dating and having sleepovers. Um, sleepovers. Sleepovers. I don't think, I don't think there was one on his bed. Yeah, I just find that gross. Like, I know because then Ugh. so like because we have a duvet and a duvet cover yeah <clears throat> and I'm not gonna lie like the duvet cover on a king-size duvet does not get washed as often as the sheets on our bed what so <laughs> then I'm like well if you don't have the top sheet or the flat sheet whatever you want to call it on top of you or between you and the duvet cover yeah now all your body oils and sweat and all that I know are on the cover and then you really should be washing it yes I completely agree like it's gross I completely agree Yes. Yeah. So, and then things, you know, happen in bed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I can't do it. I know there's many people who do. I just, it grosses me out. I yeah. can't not sleep with, without a top sheet. No. Yeah. No, I, don't, I can't either. That's I funny. Don't so, I mean, the <coughs> thing is, yes, you bundle yours up or you roll it or you do the best you can. Yeah. And I bundle my stuff all together. Mm-hmm. We've both managed mm-hmm. to get our folded fitted sheet into the closet to be used for next time. Yeah. And it still works. And it still works. It's on the bed. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I, 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 I feel like the, the folded, folding the fitted sheet is a great metaphor for parenting. Yeah. In 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 so many different ways. Plus the FFS is for fuck's sakes. Yeah, because when we were trying to come up with names, right? I think I I mentioned like WTAF. we should come up with WTAF yeah. like what in the actual fuck because yeah. that is something I say definitely. Yeah. Not to my kids. I mean my kids are old. But <clears throat> no, you do. You just stop and look at them sometimes and like what are you thinking like yeah. what in the actual fuck yeah so then we're like okay should we come up with okay what could be the w the t the blah, blah, yeah. blah. walking talking and farting i think is the yeah. only thing i could come yeah. up with so we're like okay and then you texted and you didn't put ffs no you just said folding fitted sheets yeah and i immediately saw ffs <laughs> and i'm like well that definitely fits as well yeah um not on a daily but for sure it's the same as what in the actual fuck it's like oh for fuck's sakes like or we whatever it fits with parenting yeah and then i did i laughed out loud when i'm like folding fitted sheets that is 
absolutely the perfect metaphor <laughs> for parenting because yeah there are some days where it just goes smoothly and looks like a nice neat little square and other days you're like screw it i'm rolling this in a ball throwing it in the closet and closing the door yeah for another day yeah yeah and you can try again no it was perfect i yeah. i was like yeah that's totally what we're naming I think we're real, right? Like, so we've been yeah. doing this for many years. I've been in the early childhood industry for 30 years now. So I'm really old. Um, old. And we've both worked together. We're both early childhood backgrounds. We've both done coaching with parents. So helping them through primarily with early childhood as well. But sort of that up to six-ish six age. That was really hard to say. But we're we're not... I think we're real, right? And we're not striving for perfection. We've definitely studied ways, learned ways over the years, strategies that do work, key principles that we really do believe in could apply to various strategies, but the key principles there, we talked about connection already. That is a huge one that we talk about at nauseum. But yeah, it's not about perfection. And if you're striving for, perfe for perfection hence when you're talking, for example, um, <laughs> it's not going to happen. No. Like you're just going to create anxiety and stress and misery for you and everybody else around you. Yeah. It's, it's a hundred percent true. And when I'm in a bad mood, everything else seems to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think, um, we are real and we're, unapologetically real in the sense that we are truthful um but we're also 100 percent willing to say like i really fucked that up yeah absolutely the whole yeah. apologizing thing i mean that's big for people and and non-judgmental like if you're doing i mean are we going to talk to you if you tell us you're hitting your kids every day uh, yeah, that's a problem, but like things like co-sleeping or the way you're potty training or, well, yeah. like it's just, if it's working for you, co-sleeping is a big one I find, hey, that comes up. Yeah. And it's like, if it's working for you and your family doesn't have a problem with it, like you, you, your, your partner, personal household your, family, yeah, your yeah. household yeah. does not have a problem with it. Yeah. Like to hell with what other people are saying. It's not yeah. something I could have ever done because I'm a really shitty sleeper. Right. Like our dog can't even sleep in our room because when I wake up in the middle of the night and she's licking, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like get out of here. Like I can't. Yeah. Um, it maybe lasts for a couple hours. And I was the same with I can't have a child in my bed because right. then I'm going to not yeah. sleep at all. So I would get asked a lot like, oh, like, what do you think about this? Or my husband and I don't agree on this. Or do you think this is a problem? And, or like, you know, th is this normal or like whatever, right? Like there's so many different variations of, of questions that I've been asked. Yeah. And oftentimes one of the things that I will say back is like, is this a problem for you? Exactly. Because if it's not a problem for you, but you've read that it should be a problem or somebody's told you that it should be a Your problem. Your mother-in-law is saying, oh, yeah. you get the if eyebrow it, raised. If it's not a problem for you, then it's not a problem. Yeah. If it starts to become a problem, then we can address it. Exactly. Or you can address it. But until then, if things are going well and it's not 
creating issues in other parts of your life. Or hurting anybody because, else. Because co-sleeping is, I think it's so polarizing for different reasons. One of them being the, the relationship piece. So as soon as you add a child to your bed. The marital bed. The marital vomit. <laughs> Jesus. Um, you are making a compromise in your romantic relationship. Yes. So if your parenting partner is not on board with that. Yes. That's a, that's a conflict that you need to work on. Yeah. It's going to become a problem if it's not spoken about, if you're not communicating. And that's another key piece of this is just communication. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. So it, there's so many things like I get so frustrated watching just dumb TV shows like a huge problem happens because somebody didn't say something to somebody else. <laughs> Isn't that every TV this show? This whole thing could have been avoided if they had just said, <laughs> like oh, every by the 80s way. sitcom. Right? Like I just, it's so frustrating to me. And I think I've reached the point in my life where I'm not willing to just laugh at something because it's supposed to be funny. It, I am annoyed. <laughs> I'll be careful. <laughs> But I don't, we don't have a communication issue. <laughs> no. And, and we don't have like comical little Our communication like. issue might be oversharing. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> we might have a slight communication issue. I know. So when I yeah. texted you earlier this yeah. week. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, is it TMI? I'm like, do we have boundaries? I don't even know I'm like, anymore. I don't know if TMI is a thing between us at this point. There has not been a body part. <laughs> no. Or organ. No. <laughs> there really hasn't. <laughs> that we haven't spoken about. No. No. If our spouses are listening, we don't talk about the marital bed. We don't talk about the marital bed because when I say marital bed, I vomit a little bit in my mouth. Yeah. So, I, But I going back to that, like it's, it becomes down to, so the polarizing part of co-sleeping, of course, is there are people that are in the sleep um, safety camp. Yeah. There's people in the romantic relationship camp. And then there's people in the, well, now you've created this habit and this child's never going to be able to sleep without right. you camp. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's other camps, but those just seem like kind of the obvious ones for me. If you're not uh, having a problem with it, then it's not a problem is kind of what I was coming back to. Yeah. It's the same with anything. Like, um, I know for you, you had an experience with a child who didn't sit down and eat meals. Yeah. And if that wasn't a problem for you, then it's not a problem. Right. And it becomes a problem when they get into school right. and there's a certain set of, you must eat breakfast before you go to school. Well, we have this idea that we must eat breakfast before we go to school. Then they have to eat snack at whenever kindergarten says it's snack time. And then they eat lunch at this time and then they have to have dinner at this time. Right. So it can become problematic, mm -hmm. but it, that doesn't mean it's a problem. It's funny too that you just brought that up that example because I think that was my daughter. That was one of the issues I actually had sort of forgotten about. And yeah, she wouldn't when she was a baby and we we're still like feeding her. I had to sing a song. I just and made up songs. I should have created my own album. Um, I would just constantly make, as soon as I stopped singing, she would stop opening her mouth. And then when she got older, yeah, she was definitely a grazer. She never really liked meals. And sitting down for the meal. It wasn't that she was overactive. It, she really had just very little interest in eating. Sure. And then, though, I remember it flipped where she would sit 
and she wouldn't eat. But then she became so smart knowing that for supper specifically, breakfast, lunch, no problem. Supper, though, the bedtime routine started shortly thereafter. So she realized that as soon as she got up from the supper table, that bedtime routine started. And she was always a good sleeper and she would go to bed like that really we did have a, a period of time that she was two and a half that was a bit of an issue but other than that like this was not a problem she didn't complain she didn't whine she, whatever but i think she just figured out well as long as i sit here then we don't have to start the rest of our evening <clears throat> so then it became a problem where she would just sit there not eating anything and then, then she would then she would throw a fit like if we tried to like get her out so i started having to set the timer i mean like you have half an hour and then at that point in time, like, you're getting out of your booster seat, yeah. whatever it is. It was so bizarre, though. I had totally forgotten about that until recently where I remember her not really being a great eater. But this period of time where she wouldn't actually get up from the table, but not putting any food in her mouth. That's funny. She had a few bites. And yeah. That was just how she was. She didn't have a big appetite. Yeah. She eats fine now. She's right. almost 20. We're doing well. Right. <laughs> so it wasn't a problem. It kind of became problematic, but then you sort of figured out a flexible way to deal with that. Kind of. Like, I mean, it was like she did just sort of change and maybe gross spurt happened and her appetite. I don't know. I don't honestly at this point remember what it was, but it was so weird. Yeah. I remember um, one time somebody we worked with, um, her daughter wanted to have a sleepover on a school night. Mm. And she said yes. And I remember having this reactive like what yeah why would you let your child have a, a sleepover, sleepover on a school night like that seems insane and i must have been projecting that through my facial expression well you're so good at hiding <laughs> your feelings on your face like me very similar in and that way she said you know um i thought well why not just because it doesn't it's not something that we've done before and it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense but there's not a lot of sense in saying no why wouldn't i give it a try so they were given parameters yes we're gonna have a sleepover on a school night here it is if you can't wake up in the morning right or if i have to drive you to school because you've missed the bus because they live rurally yeah then it's not going to happen again yeah. So then the responsibility was put on these girls granted they're older they were probably like nine or ten at the time maybe a little bit older, probably not too much. It was The responsibility was on them to make it work. If I have to tell you to be quiet yeah. beyond a typical time, bedtime, yeah. then we're not doing this again. So I thought, you know what, this is actually really brilliant. Why am I saying no to things? Yes. For the sake of saying no, because it was something that I didn't grow up with, because it seems like that's what the typical rules are. No, we're going to try it. We're going to see what it looks like. Yeah. And then it's up to them to make it work. And maybe, you know, they need a little help making it work because they don't really understand, you know, the processes of it, right? But if they can't make it work, if it's not something that's doable, well, we tried. And now we're not doing it. And the next time when I say no, well, remember, it didn't work. You guys were up until 1 o'clock. You were tired the next day. Yeah. You know, Got a call work. from your teacher. We tried, and it <laughs> yeah. didn't work. So sleepovers on a school night, not a great idea. Like, yeah. that seemed, it was a mind-blowing moment for me mm-hmm. because I thought that is not something I had ever considered before, is just saying, instead of saying no, saying yes. 
I think, too, it's the automatic no in that instance. It's something, too, I would have been like, hell to the no, this isn't happening. But then when you think about it, the reason you're saying no, habitual reason, like it could have just been out of habit, but is that you're assuming that your child is not capable. Yep. That's really what the assumption, and that's the message you're sending, right? And yeah, no is something, I think that's a whole new topic. That's a whole other topic that we could absolutely get into. It it was really, I thought it was lovely. I thought it was lovely that at this stage of my life and of my parenting career, parenting career as a parent and parenting, you know, coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I could have something so profound Mm -hmm. be told to me in such... In one moment, in one sentence, the kids are going to have a weekday sleepover. Blew my mind. Yeah. Because I thought this is this is a moment. This is a moment where I can make significant changes in the way that I now talk to people about parenting and the way that I parent my own kids. Yeah. And it has made a significant difference. And it's funny how it was just, it was a moment. It was a simple sentence. It was a moment. And I mean, she didn't have to share it, but because we were all in the same profession, exactly, you know, it seemed reasonable and with kids around the same age, yeah. right? It just made, it just, it was, I, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that that moment happened because it really has changed a lot of the other interactions that I've had with my kids. Um, and like you, you said, you know, saying no is a whole different, oh, it's I a mean, whole, yeah, it's, it's one that I've definitely grappled with and yeah whatever but but uh, but it was just a very simple idea and I think that's great to bring that up too because I I think it does really illustrate the fact that it doesn't matter where you are in your parenting journey um how old you are it's not too late to change your thinking and I think that is the key is to have an open mind um that there are different ways and new ways and you might think you've got it all figured out, but then you're like, well, crap, that's like, this could be a better way. This yeah. might actually work better for us. Yeah. And, and that, I think that's just key is just maintaining yeah. that openness to hear other ideas. Absolutely. And try things. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's difficult to remember to have an open mind when you're in the thick of it. Oh, you can't. Right. I mean, again, that's a whole nother topic yeah. is what is actually going on in your brain yeah. in those moments. You can't even think yeah. logically. Yeah. And now for today's quote of the day. When she'd find a dandelion that was like one of those full ones and full seed, she would take it and she would blow it and she would make a wish. And so I remember it was a warm evening. We were outside. I'm like, oh, Ainsley, look, there's a dandelion. She picked it up and she closed her eyes and she made a wish. And I said, oh. What would, do you want to tell me what you wish for? And she said, I wished you were the best mom in the whole world. And I said, what? I said, what do you mean? I'm not the best mom in the whole world. And she just looked at me. She's so honest all the time. And she said, I don't suppose the best mom in the whole world ever yells at her kid. <laughs> and that is the quote I would like to leave with you all today.